Hey, we're so glad you clicked into another Art of Relationships podcast with uh, Tim. I'm Chris, and we are here again today. Uh, we're professors at Biola University. We're with uh, our Center for Marriage, and one of the things we love to do is talk about relationships. Man, and Tim, we get so many questions about yeah, relationships uh, from listeners, from people who write in. And we have a, a blog as well that we put together on yeah. different uh, questions and topics. And, and suggestions. So, Tim, let's take a couple of the questions that are out there, and they are uh, in a number of different areas. And so, more, uh, let's just start with yeah, a few that we, that we would like to try and address today. So, here's one. Uh, Dear Center uh, for Marriage and Relationships, how do you suggest finding confidence in marriage in your yourself and in the future after a divorce. So here's a person who um, is no doubt know somebody or they themselves are struggling in an yeah. area of trying to find hope again or confidence again, not only just in themselves, but even in the institution of marriage and in the future. So um, Tim, what do you think? There's a couple of ways that we can address this and answer it, but yeah. quickly. Well, research shows that most people who get divorced get remarried mm-hmm. and some do it fairly quickly. Uh, so I think divorce, it, it's a difficult season of life. I, I watched my middle brother go through divorce, and it, it, it was just heartbreaking. Uh, but it also can be a time of reflection, a time of learning. Um, in a relationship, no doubt, there was issues on both sides. Yeah. We're doing things. Um, so I think when a marriage ends, I, I think it'd be wrong to rush yeah. into dating or rush into another marriage. I think that's a time of meeting with friends, uh, meeting with a guidance counselor, um, a, a therapist, and just to learn what happened and what did I contribute to it. And then over time, heal, but also address the deficiencies that were brought up when you were talking with trust, trusted friends or professionals. Yeah, that's good. I would add to that, Tim. I think that's that's right. And I think it's the, a lot of the emotions and pain that are there and strong at the beginning will sometimes, you know, fall into even more of these deeper doubts and disillusionments. And so one of the best things you can do, I think, is find a healthy, caring community, yeah, uh, a good. church body to get yeah. around. And as you mentioned, the counseling is something to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, another topic we've been talking about here here is gratitude that if you can begin to think of things that can help you f- that you are grateful for um, mm. the the things mm-hmm. in life that maybe you've missed or forgotten about um, a lot of gratitude research is showing that it helps people uh, deal with issues like traumatic events and they're more resilient uh, yeah. they begin to yeah. see things differently and helps reduce some of the sadness anxiety and depression that's out there um, yeah I want to give one little caveat to what I said so, if you are exiting a marriage or a relationship because it's an abusive one, mm-hmm. right? Physical violence, verbal violence, we're not suggesting that then you sit down and say, okay, what did I do to warrant the violence? Yeah. But, so, that'd be one huge caveat yeah. uh, to say, yeah, you don't need to be asking those kind of questions. No one deserves to get punched. No one deserves to be called certain names. Uh, so, that'd be my one caveat is is that. And I love your suggestion of um, being part of a nice, healthy uh, community, Chris, but not all communities are healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I would want to evaluate a community. If if yeah. you feel like since a divorce or um, something has happened and now you're being treated as a second-class Christian citizen, right. I don't think that's a healthy community. I, I think you need to find one that loves you, accepts you, and of course, speaks the truth in love. Mm-hmm. But if you're just getting all truth and no love, all truth and no compassion, and you're starting to feel like, hey, 
I'm a second-class citizen in this church because I went through a divorce or something like that happened, then I think it'd be time to find a new community that's going to be a lot more healthy in speaking truth and love. Yeah, and I think um, once you find that, Tim, there's a lot of churches that do some amazing things, divorce recovery groups. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, they, they surround you yeah. and protect you and then can walk with you through this. And then lastly, just start to re-engage with the things that you love. Um, there were things that you used to do that brought mm-hmm. joy and excitement and pleasure that yeah. kind of made you feel alive. And sometimes when you're going through a relationship that's deteriorating, what happens is you stop doing some of that. And yeah. so if you could find, maybe it's just, you know, being in nature, walking, hiking, biking, you know, something, serving and volunteering, yeah. anything that would get you back into that which you've enjoyed and love to do, find those, make a list and then try accomplishing a couple of those each time a week. All right. So uh, how Tim, about another one? All right, let's try another one. Uh, completely other side of the spectrum. Uh, uh, there are. There's a question here that talks about um, uh, for couples that are thinking about premarital counseling. Uh, we've always suggested that on our program, right, uh, yeah. for new couples. But what are your thoughts about post-marriage counseling for a newly married couples? Um, I mean, you're nodding your head because yeah. wow, wouldn't that be awesome if there yeah. was more of that? <laughs> That's I, great. I think it's a great question, and it, and I think the basis is this that. During premarital counseling, what happens is you can really begin to establish a lot of important foundational things that will carry your relationship and your marriage. And so, Tim, we can, as you've done premarital counseling and we have as well, we see couples that are doing well, that are, you know, really starting off on the right foot. And then there are others that really need a lot more work and maybe need to postpone getting married. But I think this question says, all right. Now that I'm married, we've done our counseling. We're done. And the implication for some couples is, we're done. Well, we've done it. Yeah, yeah. And now let's begin life. Check. Yeah, done, check. Yeah. But in reality, my goodness, what if couples oh, yeah. in that first year of marriage uh, realized and saw, you know what? Let's continue the learning process. Let's continue to get advice and people speaking into us. Um, so I'll just say there's a student uh, here in our graduate program at, at this university whose doctoral paper is coming out out in about less than a year. I happen to be the advisor. Mm-hmm. And her whole goal is to to figure out how can she get couples uh, to see the benefits of doing post-marriage counseling for newly married couples. Oh, and she great. called it the neglected first year of marriage oh. that we tend to not find many programs that and people that are aiming for helping those during that first year. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm a huge proponent of premarital counseling and even a uh, uh, pre-engaged counseling, I think it's great, but it's an artificial situation, mm-hmm. right? It's saying, okay, so when you live together, you're going to have to make sure you're uh, attentive to this and that. Hey, when you're together, you're going to have to make sure this and this and this, but they're not together yet. So when you get married, it really is stepping into a different context. And it's like, oh, that's what they were talking about in premarital counseling. That's what they were talking about and stuff like that. So I I love the fact um, that first year, that second year, remember Gottman said, we quote John Gottman a ton. Um, I was his mentor. He he doesn't talk about it a lot, but, you know. 
it's going to be hard. One of the first three years is going to be hard, Gutman says. So, yeah, I love the idea. Hey, let's give it a year and then meet again with counselors and say, okay, what was theory now is reality. What was a small problem when we were just seeing each other right on a daily basis or a semi-weekly basis? Now we're living together and this has surfaced. I didn't even know this was going to be an issue until we actually started to live together on the same roof. Now this is an issue and I need more tools in the toolbox. Yeah, I love even in the Old Testament that it's a pretty, you know, isolated verse out there in Deuteronomy (laughs) that talks about soldiers when they go to war that are newly married, they should do what? Stay home for one year and cheer their wife up. (laughs) Yeah, make their wife happy for, and that's after the first year of, or during the first year of marriage, don't go into battle or to war instead stay home and who knows what the context was but it seemed to imply that there was a very important uh, foundational thing going on in those early marriages that's Deuteronomy 24 and it's funny how much people neglect that passage though Chris how many times have you met a young couple who says hey we're getting married and we're starting graduate school hey we're getting married and we're starting this new business and I'm always like oh I'd be leery about doing that that first year so many good habits and bad habits are going to be established. Now, if you're adding grad school and a new business, man, so, and sometimes it's just not feasible. You just have to, the timing, you didn't pick it, it just kind of happened. But man, be careful that first year and get more tools in the toolbox by people, you know, trained professionals. I'd say read a book on it, on marriage. I'd go to a marriage conference that first year. I'd get in the habit of doing that. And then I I would do uh, post-marriage counseling. Yeah. That's a great question and a great uh, need that yep. needs to be uh, met. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, let's try another question yeah, from a it. listener who wrote in this. Um, they want to know if casual dating is okay. They, they, they talk about FOMO, right? Fear of missing out leads people <laughs> wanting more casual hanging out or non-commitment. And they, I guess they want to know when is casual dating okay? And um, we're big proponents uh, of any yeah. type of dating yeah. that would involve, uh, I think in some ways, casual dating might actually be... Uh, much more uh, beneficial for a lot of people to start to get to know likes and dislikes, uh, learn uh, things that they about themselves and other people. But I guess it maybe depends on your definition of casual dating. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. We, we have to um, be careful what we mean. But yeah, you and I are big proponents of this. Uh, you know, casual dating got a bad reputation like 15, 20 years ago. Some books were written about it, right? Uh, but we, we like the idea of casual dating being, hey, two mature adults get together. They have common interests, uh, common activities. And why in the world can't they go on a casual date, a get-to-know-each-other date that doesn't have implications that, hey, just because I asked you out once means I'm going to ask you out a second time. Um, We we work at a university that makes this really hard because Biola is a smaller university and people just tend to know each other's business. So if you spend time with a person, it's like the stickers begin, oh, should we be marking out time in the calendar for your uh, engagement party? So uh, if we're talking about casual, Mm -hmm. slowly getting to know each other, each other by doing common activities, then I, I we're all for that. I think it's great. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. With the uh, events going on uh, during that particular time in that season in life, it's a busy season. With most most likely people are working in school, uh, trying you know to figure out that which they're going to be doing, and so the opportunity just to um, 
just to find friends uh, that you can uh, get to enjoy and love. And it's hard. Yep. I, I love C.S. Lewis's quote: "Friends look in the same direction." Yeah. So I've always advocated: just go do the stuff yep. you love to do, and and who do you meet while you're doing these things? Yeah. Well, that could that seems to me like a, a person that you might be interested in dating and yep. taking it to the next level. But do the do the ministry God's calling you to, do the things you greatly enjoy, and then meet the people who have common interests. I think that's a nice combination to start to date. Oh, that's great. Uh, let's try another one, Tim. Uh, someone, a listener wrote in and said, uh, Dear CMR, as uh, some as a girl uh, who grew up being taught to never pursue a guy, how mm-hmm. do I make my interest known uh, without coming across as maybe desperate or a flirt? <laughs> so. You know, it is funny, Chris, how the social backdrop really determines a lot of these things. And I don't... So, as I read the Bible, Chris, I don't see anything that says a girl can't initiate with a guy, mm-hmm. right? Now, I get that that might go against some cultural norms, but I think, uh, like the one we just answered, right? Let's say you have the question we just answered where two people are doing something that they greatly enjoy. It's fun. They love it. It's ministry. They're doing it together. They like it. You can tell there's a little bit of whatever, but the girl's like, well, I would like to take this. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go on a date. Mm-hmm. I see no reason whatsoever biblically for sure, that she can initiate with them. Say, hey, let's let's um, go grab a cup of coffee. Let's go um, do this or whatever. I, so, I don't see anything. Do you in Scripture that would prohibit her from doing that? No, no. Obviously not in Scripture because there is just a clear sense of encouraging one another, right. you know, building up one another, the idea of developing, you know, a friendship that is uh, deep, that is also just something that is enjoyable and fun. And so, we're designed to, to, uh, and there is nothing, Tim, in my opinion, that has any concern if I hear that she asked him out on it, well, their first date, or right. they went out because she initiated it and had an interest. In or fact, her and her roommate initiated with that. You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of, I, but but here's the argument against it, Chris. Here's what I've heard people say about this. I've heard people say, yeah, but this is um, developing a dangerous pattern, not a good pattern, because she's the initiator. I want to say two things. One, I think early on, it takes a lot to get a pattern going, for one. Second, I don't see I don't see anything necessarily wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't my conception of marriage is that I'm the spiritual leader of the marriage, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that my w- wife can't initiate with me even romantically or on dates or initiate certain ideas. Mm-hmm. So I think of um a woman could, in the, in the relationship, be the initiator when it comes to relational things, and that's still okay if mm-hmm. the guy's okay with that. But no, I'd say to the woman, but no, if you're always having to do the initiation and he's never initiating, okay, that could be a pattern that I'm uncomfortable with. I'd want to see some mutual initiating with each other. But again, I, I think women today ought to be free to have a voice in their dating relationship and not always just sit and pray and God brings somebody along. That's that would be my inv- advice to a young woman. Yeah, well, I agree. And there's another. Uh, well, speaking of patterns, let's take this question because it's similar. Uh, this couple has been dating uh, for about three months. Well, actually, a little bit longer than that. It looks like almost a year and three months. And but they've really uh, never had any reason or even the courage to talk about some of the doubts they were having. Uh, mm-hmm. When they finally these doubts did come up, they knew that there were maybe some deep worries about their future together, but they didn't want to hurt each other by talking about it. So. Mm-hmm. 
while they love each other, uh, their ability to talk about things like this uh, is lacking. So, uh, it, what? They, they, here's the question. We know that if we were to decide right now, uh, they would not get married. But should we work harder to improve the relationship or let it go? This question, Tim, is really, I think, at the heart for a lot of people uh, who have been dating uh, for a while uh, or getting more serious, um, yet they're holding on to some doubts. So, let's talk about doubts real quickly in dating because here's the thing. Is it something that just should be worked on? Are they giving up too prematurely? If a couple is holding on to a love, they like hanging out with each other, there's kind of maybe this calm, you know, enjoyable relationship and yet underneath that, they have some doubts. Uh, I know this is an area for each of us that you really have to be discerning and wise to know if those doubts, how deep they go. So here's a doubt that I would say you really need to start paying attention to. If this doubt involves anything related to the way you feel when you're around this person or you sense something in them that they're not bringing out the best in you, I would say you might want to really consider that doubt. So here was a a person in my office uh, last month and she was saying, something similar to this. Her doubts were beginning because she found that she uh, didn't like the way she interacted with uh, her boyfriend uh, over the last couple of months, and but she was starting to get irritated. He would say some things, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of bugged her. The way he would talk uh, led him or led her to think, you know, I, I just really don't like your approach. And then she revealed they really didn't have a whole lot in common in mm-hmm. some areas uh, that, that were beginning beginning to now come out and bother her more than normal. So here's the question, Tim, what would you advise for this couple when they're having some doubts? Is it about the level of doubts and the kind of doubts that they're having? Should they just keep fighting and doing this better and maybe not give up? Maybe God is teaching them something about their selfishness. And so I told her, listen, I think these are serious enough doubts for you um, that if you're going to have to accept this person in your relationship the way it is today, and it never changes, would you be happy in in marriage 20, 30, 40 years down the road? And you know what she said? She said, you know, I, I just don't think that I would be really that happy because oh, I good. feel See, I would get, be, still be irritated yeah. with some of these things. I thought, well, I, I think you need to start really yeah. seriously having this talk and consider something uh, different if your relationship is already heading that direction. No, I think that's good, Chris. I think, yeah. Uh, I would also say go back to our pre- um, our engaged counseling. Yeah. See, this is where you want an expert to weigh in eventually, Chris, right? If I was thinking about buying a car, mm-hmm. um, what's the first thing you do before you buy the car? The first thing you say to the salesperson is, now, of course, can I take this to my mechanic? Yeah. And if they say no, Maureen and I walk away from that car. Mm-hmm. So the Maserati we have not, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, so I go to a car mechanic and I say, hey, listen, uh, uh, we hear this noise. Mm-hmm. And the car mechanic goes, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. That, don't, that That's one tightening of a screw. You're good. Uh, but listen, this concerns me. And we're like, oh, I didn't even realize that. Oh, no, no, this concerns me, right? You're looking at this much of a repair. I would eventually, before this couple gets married, I'd want to sit down with a marriage, a trained married person, a, a marriage and family therapist, and say, okay, here's our doubts. Can you evaluate them for us? Yeah. And, I, and I think the one you just mentioned would be a significant one mm-hmm. if... 
if she just feels irritated in these conversations, I'd say, man, that's, I think that's a pretty big doubt. I would say if it has to do anything with character. Mm-hmm. If you're suspicious of this person's character, then I think you got problems. But here's another one, Chris. Let's do a real-life situation. So I do know of a friend who is um, dating this girl, and they are on the surface. They are great for each other. Mm-hmm. They're in ministry together. Everybody who meets them says, oh, guys, come on. You're mm-hmm. perfect for each other. Here's his doubt, and you tell me what you think of it. He loves to go deep emotionally. I mean, he loves to watch a movie and just sit in it and think deeply and emotionally. And and when they do have disagreements, he really wants to get to the emotional part of it. She actually takes on a classic masculine style Mm -hmm. when they have arguments, and she just wants to keep it at the rational level Mm -hmm. and doesn't go super deep emotionally. Mm -hmm. So so that's one of these weird questions where it's like, okay, I look at every category, we're great, and everybody Mm -hmm. says we're great, but I'm a pretty deep emotional person, mm-hmm. and it seems like she's just not. Well, mm-hmm. one th- and I want to get your opinion. One thing I'd say to him is, brother, people do not fundamentally change. Mm-hmm. She might get better, but she is not fundamentally going to be the person that you just want her to be naturally. So what would you say to this couple? Yeah, I, I guess I would say I, it doesn't bother me as much as one of the most it, – because it's not a character flaw. It's not a, a deep uh, relational um, issue that can't be helped. So there are some things that we can't change. If you're a, right. a deep internal processor or external processor, if you're an extrovert or introvert, right, there's, those are kind of deep there. But those kinds of things can actually help a relationship and help a person uh, yeah, uh, grow yeah, and learn. Yeah, so yeah. here's what I is it is it something that could be learned uh, by, let's say, by her in this case, to be, better understand another person. I mean, this could be a, a great relationship minus the fact that she just doesn't have the tool or equipping yet to figure out how does she ask or address deeper questions with somebody and, or, and at yeah, least yeah, appear yeah, to be interested. Yeah. I think it's a pretty simple fix oh, I, that's, you know, oh, that's because it's yeah. simply what it means is you would tell her, listen, is this something, a relationship you you, you, you enjoy this person you have so many things in common he likes to go deep there are a couple of things that you can do to help encourage that that's good you know my wife um really tried uh some areas that for me were really important to me. So, for example, I love sports, right? Playing and watching. Well, it just didn't. It just didn't have any interest in her. But it was really important to me to talk about. Wow, this guy. You know, did you hear about this game or did you see this? Well, what she did was she realized that that which is important to me is something that she could adopt and figure out. How can I get more involved in his world? How can I take and get a cognitive love map that includes yeah, these things good. that are important to him? And it really was something she learned and tried to do it. So she'd sit there and watch a game with me and she'd learn some names and she'd ask the question, so I hear the Dodgers this week got a new pitcher. How's he doing? I'm like, wow, yeah, wow, good question. Uh, now, does she really have deep emotions about it? No. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's fixable in this case. Oh, that's good. Uh, so, so, uh, so I'm assuming that when the uh, Anaheim Ducks got swept from the playoffs, <laughs> devastatingly so, I think one game was what, eight, nine to one, that Elisa then joined you, right? She cuddled you. 
you. You were in the fetal position, and she just came alongside, right? I'm yeah. just assuming. Yeah, she did. And and I think what she, the what word she used was, Chris, at least the Red Wings didn't make the playoffs. And so you could be encouraged. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's hard for me to hear what you said with 11 Stanley Cup rings in my ears. But hey, go back to this couple. Go okay. back to this couple. I would absolutely agree that the question you mentioned with a yeah. different yeah. Uh, question would apply to her, uh, to him, yeah. if if she never got better or yeah. got worse. Yeah, that's right. Would you be okay with this? Because we're assuming she would try yeah. to get better or even could get better. So I love that of saying, so, all right, if she never improves, would mm-hmm. you be okay with her? Mm-hmm. And if he waffles then, what yeah. would you say? Well, I would say then if it becomes, it might point to a, a deeper character issue. Listen, if you ask somebody who, who if you're, if you, two people are paired up, one likes to go deep emotionally and the other one doesn't, and the other one doesn't, simply says, I will probably not change and you need to expect the fact that I, I'm, I'm going to always be this way. My concern in that situation is something much deeper about a person's character. Listen, intimacy involves my ability to try and connect with somebody no, and good. want to know that's them. Good. And that's intimacy good. says, I'm going to have a love map of this person, and I want to see what hopes and fears and likes and dislikes are part of their life. And so what I want to be able to do is say, I'm going to grow with them and learn from them. And so if someone doesn't do that, Tim, yeah, that my, is a great point. If she doesn't try then we've got a bigger point. We do. No, that's, no, that's good. I like that. So here we go. La- very last question, and it's this. Um, as they In this relationship, um, they have a question about boundaries. Um, what are the appropriate boundaries when it comes to level of intimacy and digging into these things as the relationship progresses? So, for example, they find themselves d- going too deep. This is very similar to maybe yeah. the situation before. And the other person doesn't always feel like going that deep is appropriate at this time. So, how do you know when you're, one person says, yeah, this going deep is really actually something that's a positive and really necessary for me. The other one says, I just think it's too soon. We're not there yet. So this couple is dealing with seemingly opposing views. And how can you determine the proper level of intimacy as a relationship progresses? It's okay for one person to be ahead of the other person. It's okay for one person to want maybe to go more in depth than the other person's doing. Um, but here's, here's where a red light comes on for me. If the other person does not respect the, the hesitancy of the other person. Mm-hmm. So let's say one person wants to go deep and the other person says, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that, either emotionally or physically. And the other person keeps pushing and mm-hmm. pushing and pushing. Mm-hmm. That to me is surfacing a bigger issue. Yeah. And that is, there's a lack of respect yeah. and boundaries. Uh, once I establish a boundary, you need to respect that. Even yeah. if you try to c- convince me, maybe we don't need to have that kind of a boundary. Yeah. So that comes to me a level of respect. What yeah. do you think? Well, I, I do think it is it is respect. It's also then there's probably um, ways in which a person is trying to be protective of themselves and if it's a healthy protection of the relationship because they realize, listen, you know, we've only been dating X amount of time and, and we, we, you're kind of pushing this to the, maybe a deeper level than I'm ready for. Right. Um, I, I, I think it involves not only respect, but also some wisdom. There are just some people who are uh, maybe not as cautious or careful going in. They maybe set up a boundary for yeah. them that yep. allows them to take it to deeper. And sometimes that that 
can involve some hurt and some pain when a person does prematurely begin to, re- you know, talk about and reveal deep things in their heart that does lead yeah. to some premature intimacy. And so I think you're right. It does. Um, you tend to go with the person who has the most hesitancies in this case. Yeah, and crossing another person's boundary, you have to be very careful. Yeah. That fosters a lot of hurt. Yeah. And so uh, you have to you have to have discernment. Yeah. When is it too early to kid about a crushing sweep in the hockey playoffs? When is the pain <laughs> too, too palpable? And did you cross a line in pointing out that the Ducks had these high hopes well, and were on you... a great run before the playoffs and got utterly <laughs> obliterated by a team? That's discernment. And so we just hope that the rest of you enjoyed this conversation. Hey, listen, these podcasts are made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. So yeah. thanks for listening. Go to our website, the Center for Marriage and Relationship. Host these things at Biola University. And we're just so glad that you get to uh, hang out with us and spend some time. And so yeah. we look forward to future talks. Yeah, please join us again. Yeah.